it can be nerve wracking. We're dealing with people's dreams in our particular business. So it's a big responsibility. So you want to make sure that you, you know, you do that well and carefully. And then we don't want to grow too quickly so that we make sure that those people are not looked after. So I think it's just about planning and having no fear going for it. It will be challenging, but it's definitely worth it. Welcome to the show, Isabel. It's great to have you on the podcast. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you for having me. A fellow Scot, but you are actually all the way back in Scotland. Are you, where about in Scotland are you based? Um, I'm in North Berwick, which is uh, not far from Edinburgh, which I believe is where near you're from. It's a beautiful part, North Berwick. I, th- I was there yeah. actually the weekend of my 40th. I mean, to be fair, it was October, it was pouring rain. But it was still really nice, actually. <laughs> um, but we're going to be talking today about travel, which is something that I'm really excited about because I love to travel. I've travelled since, well, since we were little. You have just booked a beautiful family holiday for myself, my family. My mum loved the interaction and everything that you did to organise this holiday. And she said that you have a wealth of knowledge. And I was like, right, OK, I want to learn more. So can you give us a little bit of a backstory as to how did you end up in Probably one of the most glamorous, I guess it, there's always another side to it, but travel industry, you kind of think it is glamorous. Yeah, I, I went to art school when I left, uh, when I left school. So it's, it was a completely different path that I took on. I was a designer for many years and worked in e-learning, but I always did have a wanderlust and it was something that I didn't really act upon until, well, a pretty major life event. I got breast cancer when I was 36. Oh, wow that point I thought right this is it all these things that I've been dreaming about you know putting off thinking there'll be a right moment there'll be a right partner there'll be a right time I'm just going to do it now and took myself off for two months um, and went to Thailand and it was just a, a really enlightening fantastic experience a few short years later I met my husband and he also has the wanderlust um, and so both of us perfectly aligned took ourselves off for a couple of months around the rest of Southeast Asia and it was there one day we were sitting in the banyan tree in a pool with a building opposite, um, you know, because we were in the, the financial district and, you know, thought we will come back here one day. Shortly after, Mark was approached um, to work with a destination management company in Bangkok and the office was across from the banyan tree. So there couldn't have been a better sign. Wow. That, that, yeah, that, if there was ever a sign, that yeah. was it. And did he work in that industry? Yes, uh-huh. he worked for Visit Scotland for many years. You okay. know, obviously we're the home of golf in Scotland. So he was working primarily with golf tourism. So loads of experience from his point of view. So we both took ourselves off to Bangkok, lived there for three years. I was a freelance designer. At that point, we were planning our wedding, you know, looking at honeymoon, getting really frustrated with not being able to find exactly what we wanted that was going to suit us and our style of travelling. And it was at that point, sitting with a glass of wine on the balcony, in the egg chair, we came up with the idea of starting our own travel company. Um, and at that time, it was Rock My Moon, because we thought it was going to be honeymoons. But then we thought, right, we need to make this bigger, wider. And Rock My World was born. I love it. So there's so much that I want to ask you off the back of what you've just said there. Let's start with, you know, one of the most important, breast cancer. Where are you now with that? Is everything okay? Are you okay? Yeah, I am. I'm 11 years down the line now and I've been officially signed off from the hospital and the doctors. So everything has gone well off all medication. So yeah, I'm feeling fit and healthy. But that was really a big sort of turning point for you to say, right, 
I'm not happy in what it is I'm doing and I want to do something else. Yeah, definitely. I think everything sort of flashes and, you know, it, it sounds like the, the cliche, your life flashes in front of you, but it really does. When you're faced with that um, type of situation, you know, you look at everything and, you know, there was, it was time to no longer put off what I'd always dreamed of, my passions. And yeah, it did give me the, the yards that I needed to, to go forward. And, and things have changed so much in that 11 years, um, all for the better. So who are your kind of clients? Like you you'd said you started off with Rock My Moon. It quickly went to Rock My World. Who are the types of clientele that you have? So our clientele are mostly the family-based market. That is not what we intended to start out with, targeting when we started the business. We thought it would be more adventurous travel, you know, the type of trips that we want to go on ourselves. And it's not that we don't do that, but because we've, you know, basically adjusted to our networks that we're part of, it, that is what we've gravitated towards. And I think in business, it's silly not to look at the opportunities that are right in front of you as opposed to trying to sideline around them. So that, that is it's been a natural progression that way. But we love working with the family market. They have a life cycle of holidays, which, um, you know, they have different points in the year. They'll do different kinds of trips. And then up to that point where they have the, the, the big major trip, maybe when the kids are teenagers and they think this is the last we're going to get to spend time with them before they go to university and forget all about us. So it's, it's really great. It's, it's quite diverse. Until it gets to the point where we become so much older that then we start going back on holidays with our family when we're older with, with our children or with our partners or whatever, which is lovely. Um, I saw a meme the other day, which I thought was quite amusing. And it was like, I, it was something I should forward you this because it might be good for, for, for something on social media. But it was like, what? we don't need the... I wished I didn't have that holiday when I was eight. I never needed that two-week cruise when I was eight. I need a holiday now when I'm an adult. It was something like, you know, your parents take you on holiday when you're young, but you don't need the holiday. But when we're like in our 20s, 30s, 40s, we need the holiday more than ever. So how do you get your clients? I mean, that's one thing, you know, you've literally changed business. So you've gone from one industry to going, no, this is what I want to do. I love travel. I want to organize some things that are more adventurous for people. How did you start finding your clients? So initially it was family and friends. It's what we call the everyone you know list. So, you know, everybody that you have in your little black book, those are your first port of call. From there, it was, you know, your local network. So I've been to loads of women's events in Edinburgh. It's fantastic for that type of thing. Obviously pre-COVID, there was more of that going on, starting up again. And, And social media, I mean, Facebook, Instagram, these are all amazing platforms for gathering clients, meeting people, getting your message out. Um, and private groups, I think, on, on Facebook are really powerful because you can connect to people on that, you know, one-to-one basis. And again, you know, if you do give a good service and you become referred, that's that's golden. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And there's so much to be said for that. I remember when I first started my business, and I say this to a lot of clients that I mentor, your first client will probably be, your first paid client will probably be a friend, a family member or a friend of the family. And I can go back to being my first three paid clients were all of that vicinity. What about you? Yeah, absolutely. Our first clients were family and friends, people that we've known for years. Um, I mean, they do sort of negotiate a tight bargain and deal with you. But (laughs) but you know it was all experience building as well so we were happy to do that so we were able to cut our teeth on our friends and family till we you know it was a new thing for us it was a a new way of working so they they did provide that um 
that 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 basis for us. So yeah, and we, we still have um, loads of family and friends as clients, and now they tell all their friends and their networks. Network yeah, has grown from there. Yeah. So I think there's something about the travel industry that there's this world pre-COVID and there is this world post-COVID, and there's certainly uh, industries that were affected more than others. And I think travel and events were two that were probably one of the most hardest hit in in what it was doing. So pre-COVID, where was the number one destination that people wanted to go? And has that changed post-COVID? Um, Pre-COVID, we were doing loads of USA. Now, that obviously was one of the first to go. Um, we do a lot of Indian Ocean, a lot of, you know, uh, Australia, New Zealand, places like that. Where, where they were the ones that were the last to come back, essentially, because it was the long haul travel. It was Europe that came back first. But we are starting now that um, restrictions have lessened, we're starting to see those creep back in. And then people's dream trips, bucket list trips are all starting to come back into play. So we have got, we're organising quite a lot of trips like that for next year and for later on in this year as well, um, which is really lovely to see that come back. And have you found that people are actually, because a few industries have said this to me, that people are actually spending more? So let's say maybe people didn't have holidays during that time. So they're nearly spending more money on holidays now. Or is it just the cost of travel has got so much more expensive that it is more to travel? There's maybe a combination of both. But I think you're right um, in terms of people having more of that um, disposable income to spend because they did nothing during COVID and they weren't going anywhere. And they just think we've we've been nowhere for two and a half, three years. So that's it. We're going to go for it. And, and then go for the a higher level ex- of experience than they might have um, before. So, so yeah, that's no, definitely an element. Or we'll have people coming to us now who are far more organized than they maybe were. They're not winging it last minute. They're coming, right, let, let's just get our whole calendar planned for the next one and a half years. We want these four trips. Um, and they're booking it all in now. And that, that is a sensible idea because the last minute holiday is not really a thing. Whether that comes back or not is unsure. It's really- oh, interesting. Why is that? Is that because, you know, things are just getting so booked up? Because it used to be, well, I say in the old days, but I don't know how long ago in the old days that you'd be like two days before you could walk into a travel agent and get a deal for a few hundred pounds or something. Like that doesn't happen anymore, does it? Not at the moment. No, it isn't because there is, there's not that much availability. I mean, there's only so many. You see what's happening in the news with flights being cancelled. So even what was available has is becoming restricted. I mean, I'm sure that will improve as the world opens up more, you know, by airlines start pointing staff back, you know, once that grows, I'm sure that will increase. But for the moment, it's um, it's tricky for people to get exactly what they want as well. If they've got very specific requirements, then that's, yeah. I think you would have to be much more open minded about what you can receive um, as a holiday, um, then you might have more choice. But if you're very specific about what you want, then you're unlikely to get that last minute. Oh, that's really interesting. So my biggest question that I'm curious about is how did you survive probably during the, t- you know, being in that industry that was so, you know, badly hit in the sense that no one could actually travel? What did you do to keep clients coming in? I mean, I suppose there was a lot of rebookings happening, but yeah, did you pivot? Tell me a little bit about the last couple of years. Um, in a word, horrendous. <laughs> you know, we, our business was really starting to take off. It all fell off a cliff overnight. Mm. But what we did is we just went, we had to become even more customer focused than we had before. Our priority was to make sure that every one of our clients felt safe and secure in the knowledge that their money was safe, that they weren't going to lose that, that they would be refunded. That was our sole focus. 
we were preempting the conversations we were contacting them because I think everybody was you know it was all unknown for us all we didn't know how it was going to play out um I think we, yeah. it was, you know we maybe knew what was going to happen in a month ahead of time but beyond that it was unknown so that was our first um that, that, that was our first priority really and we did manage to rebook um, every, most people and refunds. And I'm pleased to say that we got 100% of our refunds back for everybody. And then from there, um, they all eventually had the confidence to come back and, and book, you know. And did you like look at doing, because you're saying most of your trips you're doing are kind of long haul or, you know, like Indian Ocean, Europe. Um, did you end up doing trips in the UK? Like, is that something that... You maybe didn't bargain on doing, but that's what you had to yeah, do. Yeah, absolutely. I think and my geography of the UK has become even better um, because of that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I can tell you where you can get a really nice lodge with a hot tub in most places in the UK. So, yeah, no, we did. That is how we pivoted to be able to bring some income in during that time as we provided um, that type of holiday. And that was great because it actually brought us new customers because as soon as people found out we were doing that, you know, they all started coming coming to us with their inquiries. Um, you know, we want to get away to Wales for two weeks in the summer. And now those clients are booking their long haul Europe holidays with us. So we've gained new clients out of it, which is fantastic. And, and I think, you know, as much as like you said, you know, COVID and the period through that's been really challenging. There has been some good things that have come out of it. So you've got new clients. In my perspective, I completely pivoted in my business, sold one. I'm started another and I'm happier than I've ever been. And just having that time to be able to think about what do I want to do? And it nicely coincided with turning 40 and the new chapter and everything as well. So all of that was was really good. What would you say to someone? Because I think that there's so many lessons in kind of what you've done. So we've got the pivoting in the business, but also you've pivoted in your career. And I think a lot of people that are listening to this podcast either they're an entrepreneur or they're considering doing their own thing. What kind of tips would you have for them making that transition from maybe employee to entrepreneur? Yeah, I think that if you have a dream, you've just got to go for it and put aside your fears. We all have them. I think it's like, don't sweat over the small stuff. You know, you're going to make mistakes. None of us are infallible, but I say embrace those mistakes. They make us better. We learn from them. Um, You know, having humility, with the people that you're dealing with, it's going to stand you in good stead. But yeah, definitely go for it. And if it's if it seems like too big a challenge, break it down into smaller parts. What can you do at stage one? Then what can you do at stage two? You know, you're not going to build a multi-million pound business overnight, but you can definitely do that with a longer term plan, but achievable, you know, smaller chunks. And that's less, um, you know, it's it can be nerve wracking. You're dealing with people's dreams in our particular business so it's a big responsibility so you want to make sure that you you know you do that well and carefully and then we don't want to grow too quickly so that we make sure that those people are not looked after so I think it's just about planning and having no fear going for it it will be challenging but it's definitely worth it. I, I, I've never really thought about that but you know one of my friends is a wedding planner and she talks about planning weddings being you know one of the most emotional times and and I guess like you say you know you're planning people's dream vacation or dream holiday that they've thought about in my family situation a year like this is not the done thing in the Middle East by the way no one books a holiday a year in advance or very few people book a holiday a year in advance it's like hey let's in three months 
go here or, you know, then places like Maldives, Zanzibar, they're three, four hours away. So it's not, it doesn't seem such a big trip to, to organize. So when you are planning someone, that's what they're talking about for an entire year. The pressure is on for you to get every single bit right. I would love to know one amazing holiday that you organized for a family and some things that you did and how did it all come out? Like, tell us a, a couple of travel stories. Yeah, so the, the, the holiday, one of the most memorable holidays, and if the family are listening to this, they'll instantly recognize who it is. And there's many like this, but this one is, I suppose it was maybe one of this, the first of this kind that we did on such a huge scale. And it was a family that had a two-month sabbatical and were going over to um, America and doing Canada. So they started on the East Coast, up to Canada and over to the West Coast. So it, was, it was a huge trip and there were so many moving parts to it and elements um, which we you know, had to book. But there was things like the, you know, when they were, because it's going out of my mind. So the, in New York, it was, the four, it was the 4th of July celebrations, but it was also a big birthday. So it was organizing things so they could be on the boat, so they could see the fireworks, you know, just put them in the right place at the right time. Then when they were, um, you know, they went to Fenway Park uh, because of massive football fans. Once they got to the East Coast, it was organizing things, even just down to simple things that they're bike riding one day, you know, or they're doing a segue. The special meals they'd have together as a family. There was another birthday which was uh, happened in Los Angeles. You know, organising with the hotel for them to bring them hot chocolate and some presents to the room and wine for the parents. You know, just all the little sort of what we call wee wows um, that we try and introduce, so that you know things they're not expecting, but just really help to enhance the holiday and give it that you know just that sort of yay feeling. <laughs> I love that. So what did you call them? Wee wows. Yeah, wee wows. <laughs> yeah, so those that are those that are maybe not familiar with the Scottish <laughs> accent, we means like it's quite a how would you describe the word wee? It's small, but it's more than that. It's just kind of a I don't know, how would you describe wee? Yeah, I guess it is small, but then when you say small, that makes something feel like it's you're belittling it, but it's not really like that. It's just Yeah, exactly. We would say we'll have a wee cup of tea, you know, but that cup of tea is you know it's a standard size cup. So but it's just it's an expression of, of how we say it in Scotland, isn't it? I suppose it's a lovely colloquial term um when we're thinking of something that's attributed to nice and good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's um and when I talk about it in personal branding, so what are the things that you can do? And I've got seven pillars of personal branding. And the seventh pillar is how can you stand out? So within the business, yeah, you've got customer service and you've got great customer service. But I think what you've just demonstrated there is an element of standing out. We wows. These are little things that we can do that seem small but actually have a huge significant way that they make someone feel can you tell me a couple of other wee wows I, I like this so we've got people that are going off to um Borneo to you know see the orangutans and they're going to Bali it's a big trip so we've we've sent them a journal for them to keep for that journey um you know so they they, they, they love that so that's just a really nice way for them as a family to record what they're doing all of our Disneyland Paris clients, we send the children personalized t-shirts with Mickey or Minnie on them. So they've got that for when they arrive at the park. You know, just things they're not expecting like that. Or it might be that we contact, we do contact the hotel when every, you know, for everyone when they're arriving. And sometimes the hotels can be really fabulous in uh, working with us. So there might be a nice fruit platter for when they arrive at midnight or a bottle of Prosecco or some chocolate, strawberries, you know, something like that. So that we try and always do something for 
our clients um and you know when they come home there'd be a nice thank you card with some thank you chocolates for them as well you know for booking with us so that i love that that is a great day a great example of standing out within your space because it is competitive there's a lot of people there's a lot of businesses doing that but you know the attention to detail and the small touches really 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 nice touch so where are the hot destinations now that long hauls open back up where do people want to go we are getting loads of inquiries for africa and safari that type of thing Ooh. so it is the big trips that people now want to do um we are getting so much usa and canada again so it's all these long haul destinations that we had before opening back up mm-hmm. south america not so much for us maybe other agents but we're not seeing that so much at the moment um loads of europe and and definitely maldives and mauritius so a lot of our honeymoon clients wanting to you know to have the you know the beautiful maldivian island um experience um and, and love yeah. it which is where you booked for us <laughs> we were going on our family holiday and i'm so excited it would be unfair not to talk about the other side of business travel which has been really affected so your business was really families and focused towards that did you do travel for business and how what what's the the shape of that now yeah it's probably about five percent of our market would be business travel and it's usually come off the back of having a client that's had a family holiday with us and said oh can you do our business travel we have seen that drop off um, because everyone's now on Teams or Zoom. You know, they're having their meetings remotely. They don't need to meet in person anymore. And at the moment, there is the complication of loads of, if you've got any connecting flights or any massive complexity, there's a good chance it might not quite go according to plan. And if you're on a, a tight yeah. time frame for meetings and so on, that is probably a hassle that they don't need. But we, we have seen it come back a little bit. Um, so that, and that would normally be the business class market as well. Um, but again, those are in limited supply. So you have to kind of be organized. Mm. And often things are, we have to be organized last minute. So that makes it a bit more challenging yeah. as well. What about the other aspect then of remote working? Because that's something that's really developed um, more so over the past couple of years digital nomads. I don't actually love that term, but the ability to be able to go and work in Europe or um, Bali for a month. Um, do people come to you for that or are they just looking to organise their own thing? We've had a few inquiries like that. I wouldn't say it's the majority, it's a minority that we have. I mean, it's something that we do personally. So, you know, we're planning to go away in January, February, March, which are, you know, as much as we love Scotland, those months are not fantastic. With horrific in Scotland. <laughs> Part of our job, because we don't, we're not tied to an office as well, we can work from anywhere. So, you know, we are going to become those people next year. So, yeah, and there's certain places around the world that are really encouraging it. You know, places like Medina, they are really pushing the whole, you know, come, come and work in our country. You know, there's, it's you know, fantastic things to do in your downtime, whether you're going trekking, hiking, or you know, in, swimming in the sea, all that stuff. Um, during COVID, Barbados had opened, you know, extended their visa for people working at home to encourage mm. people to do that. And you know, if, if you are, you know, if, if your company allows, why does it matter where you're working from? As long as you've got good connectivity, then you can be anywhere. It's a great idea. So I'm curious to know where you're going to be spending January, February, March. Well, we don't want to go too far because of the time difference, and we speak to people a lot on on um, on the phone. So we'll be probably heading to the Canaries, maybe doing a bit of island hopping, and then on to mainland Spain, and maybe finishing around Valencia in that area. 
How nice. I look forward to seeing that all over social. So thank you so much for your time. I guess what would be your kind of parting tip or something that you'd maybe like to, oh, this is a question actually I quite like. What would be a myth? Let's do that. A myth you would like to dispel in the travel industry or in what it is that you do. And then we'll go into maybe your parting gift of information. <laughs> so that, that is an easy one with us. Um, so we, what we do is concierge travel and it's without the cost and it's for everyone. And I think the myth is, is that our type of service is only for the uber wealthy because it's going to cost you more. It actually doesn't, which is it's more about that we're here to help make travel for you a lot easier, regardless of what your budget is, because that holiday is important, whether it's at one end of the scale or the other end of the scale. You know, and that that is really our our prime ethos is that it's for everyone. Um, so yeah, it's. I think when people speak to us, they're like, "What you don't charge anything?" Like, no, <laughs> like, oh, fantastic. Because <laughs> people do think, "Oh, well, I'll go and organise it myself, so it's cheaper." Because travel agents take a cut or something like that. But well, that's what you're saying is a a big myth there. <laughs> Absolutely, because our suppliers pay us commission. And that's how it works. So it's, I mean, sometimes it might cost a little bit more, but really it's going to be fairly comparable. But for the benefit that you get from that, I mean, we're the ones that spend two hours online listening to Jesklyn on repeat rather than the customer. (laughs) (laughs) That terrible music going, oh no, what's next? And, and, you know, as much as you're based in Scotland and you said you're spending time elsewhere, I mean, you could be planning someone's holiday that lives in Dubai and they're traveling somewhere else. Like it doesn't matter where your clients are based. You can plan the destination for yeah, them. Yeah, absolutely. We've actually got friends in Dubai that we have organized trip for. So yeah, good example. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. And then from a business, your parting gift of wisdom of information or tip, what would you share? Uh, I think it just is kind of what I said before about you just have to, if you have the dream, go for it. Don't procrastinate. Don't put it off. You don't know what's around the corner. You don't want to live with any regrets. If, if it doesn't work out the way that you planned, it doesn't matter. Just, you know, reroute the path. But, you know, don't ever live with regret of not having tried. Go for it. It'll be really good. That was something that you'd said at the beginning, actually, that what you'd started doing, as in thinking it was going to be honeymoons, wasn't... Mm what you end up doing and I see that so often and my own business was the same like 20 years ago I started a personal styling agency and I thought my target audience was going to be the hotel industry I thought it was going to be people that were visiting Dubai and it completely wasn't 360 it was all people that lived here so it does change massively how can people find it Isabel? They can find us on our website um, so that's rockmyworld.co.uk we've also got a Facebook page which is rockmyworld travel and our Instagram page as well so you will find us on there and our contact details are on so they can either call us or they can email us whatsapp us whichever method they prefer brilliant thank you so much for your time today and have an amazing trip when you go and be a what do you call it a dig- would you say you're a digital mo- nomad or what would you call uh, yourself remote worker yeah remote work I mean if that sounds really boring as well doesn't it but a digital nomad also sounds a little bit Liberty Jibber as well. So we'll have to come up with a new term, I think, for that. So I'm going to consider that. That could be some <laughs> summer, summer planning. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate oh, thank it. Thank you so much, Kelly. Take care. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here today and listening to this episode. Were you inspired? What was one of your key takeaways that you can action? 
tag me, tag the guest in Instagram. I love to know what really got you going in this episode. If you want to know more about how you can take your personal brand to the next level, then book in for a call with me, click the link in my bio, work with Kelly, answer the questions and learn a little bit more about how you can take your brand and business to the next level. We've got a couple of ways that you can work with us, whether it's through our brand new accelerator mastermind, which just been launched to one-to-one and even working with the extended team on your digital assets. If you're looking for branding, when it comes to your website, social media graphics, one of the things that we're doing a lot just now is email signatures, just elevating that email with a professional looking signature at the end. We also have some incredible reviews And did you know this week? So this is great because often when this happens when you first start a podcast, but we are over a year in, we are still, Kelly Loomer Podcast is still in the top 100 podcasts on entrepreneurship in the UK and top 15 in the UAE. And that is thanks to you, you that are out there, that are reviewing this, that are listening to it and sharing it with your friends. I appreciate it and I appreciate you. Thank you so much.